2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. Thank you to everybody who came to my shows in Washington, D.C. last weekend. It was a lot of fun. Good to see your smiling faces. Talk some Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong with you. You know what's always fun is when I get to do this show with Jacqueline Coley, my esteemed co-host and... Oh no. Oh God. She's not here. She's not here. She's already on her holiday break. She's probably knowing her. She's probably jet setting off to some exotic location where she gets some R and R before really jumping into the thick of award season. So Jacqueline, I hope you're having a great time in Bermuda or Barbados, or one of those other fancy B vacation destination places. You deserve it. And in the meantime, I'm going to be joined by a very special guest. He's a good friend of mine, despite our NFL team discrepancies. And he is so excited to talk about the two movies that we have today. Yeah, we're down a host, but we're up to two movies that we're talking about today here on Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. And just by the way, just before we get into anything, this is a podcast by Rotten Tomatoes. I have so many people come up to me. They're like, oh, you have a, you have a show called Rotten Tomatoes. Is wrong. I'm like, yeah, it's so much fun to talk. And then they cut me off. They say, oh, Was Rotten Tomatoes cool with that? Don't you work with them? Isn't that a con? I'm like, it's a podcast by Rotten Tomatoes. We're having some fun with the tomato meter. And at the end of the day, we're celebrating these movies. You know, unless they're really bad, in which case we won't celebrate them as much. But still, it's fun to talk movies, even after the fact. And in the case of The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions, the, t- the two movies that we are talking about today, this is what's fun about it. Because we got a new Matrix that just dropped. We got The Matrix Resurrections, and that's plural, just like Revolutions, and so we get no, more Matrix, we get back in the world of Neo and Trinity and Morpheus and The Matrix and all this other fun stuff, if, if you consider it fun anyway. We'll talk about whether these movies are actually fun or not, but we are talking about The Matrix sequels today. Now, both of these films were released in 2003. That's what you got to know. They were filmed back to back out the Lord of the Rings trilogies. The Matrix Reloaded came out first, and 73% certified fresh is its tomato meter some almost 20 years later with a 72% audience score. So the critics and the audience, pretty united on that one, not so much with the closing chapter of that initial trilogy. Matrix Revolutions came out later in 2003, 35% rotten. Oof, what a hard fall that one took all the way down the stairs. It's still fresh according to the audience, barely, it's 60%. With the audience score. So this is a a show that y'all wanted to hear us, uh, you know, gush about The Matrix or maybe <laughs> criticize The Matrix sequels for a while. Fans like Michael Hannon, Danielle Kessner, and of course, Simon Valance. Is it Simon Valance from Melbourne, Australia, wrote us a, a very in-depth email about how much these movies mean to him and how much the revolutions in particular score is wrong. So we're going to get into all of that. I might even read some of Simon's email later on in the show. But without further ado, I'm gushing enough about this guest. Let's just bring him on and see if he's still as good as he was the last time here. You know him from his hugely popular YouTube channel, Birds in the Hood, alongside fellow certified fresh guest jay washington and he wants to give a shout out to somebody very special in his family who might be celebrating a birthday and might have some season of giving goods for everybody out there he is the one the only winston marshall the swaggy board himself sir it is good to see you and happy holidays
3: happy holidays indeed yo mama happy birthday i know you're not gonna watch this you don't watch none of the stuff I do. I don't know if it's because I'm your least favorite child at this point or because you're just too busy. I don't know, but happy birthday, mama. A big shout out for her and we'll do another shout out later when we're plugging stuff. But uh, but but yeah, I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to talk about The Matrix. It's one of my favorite franchises um, in life. Uh, so I'm here for it and I can't wait. Uh, I know we're recording this uh a little bit earlier so i don't know if i've seen resurrections yet and i love it or i haven't seen it and i'm still like oh so we're just gonna this is my i haven't seen it yet oh and this is my i just saw it yesterday (laughs) so you know that we got a little bit of a little bit of everything just in case Well,
2: look, I have some fun with our guests from time to time, especially guests who we bring on like you who know so much more about the particular film or films that we're talking about. So when we have like a a Mike Kalinowski on, he is sort of the one that I sit next to in the theater that kind of guides me through like the DC world and kind of helps me with these. Like, who is that character? What does that mean? You're going to be my guy for Matrix Resurrection. So we're going to go see this together. Don't worry, Winston's mom, I'll buy him some popcorn and we're going to sit there and you're going to help break down not just that movie in the future, but these movies right now. And so I'm going to kick off with the question that we ask everybody on the show, as you're well aware. Winston, you got 73 percent certified fresh for The Matrix Reloaded, 35 percent rotten for The Matrix Revolutions. Is Rotten Tomatoes wrong about The Matrix
3: sequels? Sort of. So I would actually say that the way that this would work is that I think Reloaded needs to come down a bit. I think it remains fresh, but I think we're sitting around like that 60 marker, to be honest okay. with you. It needs to be lowered a little bit. And then I think Revolutions needs to also be certified fresh back up to that 60. It's not as bad as people are, are giving it. There's a lot of bad. I'll be real with you. There's a decent amount of stuff that you kind of go a little bit away. Like the, the Matrix is... I would argue got a foundation of two things: uh, philosophy um, and metaphor, and uh, the, like the uh, the kung fu action that we've seen throughout the the fist fights and the slow motion and all that kind of stuff. So I think that revolutions, which I kept calling it resolutions, because to me that sounded like a better title to end your trilogy, personally. <laughs> but that's just me. But Matrix <laughs> revolutions. Um, I think needs to be a little bit higher and it should at least be fresh. I wouldn't say that it needs to be getting the certified fresh stamp, but it should at least be fresh. And then I think that reloaded needs to come down a little bit
2: okay well if you're watching this on our simulcast then you can see winston's background yeah the guy maybe has seen a matrix flick once or twice (laughs) in his life i also have a story about the first time i saw the matrix sequels as opposed to the 1999 original the matrix which again just it it revolutionized everything about the way we make uh, sci-fi and action for really the way that we make films in general going forward and so maybe that's why it's the matrix revolutions for that closing chapter of the initial trilogy so we're going to get into all that and yes there's going to be spoilers as we always doing this show. We're diving deep into the movie. So we are going to be giving away some of the plot points and especially when that comes to Reloaded because now it's my job to give a synopsis about both these movies. Holy God, this might be the most nerve-wracking synopsis undertaking I've ever (laughs) experienced. And I've never seen this before on the nice email that Producer Lucy sends us. It says synopsis and then it says in huge, bold, all caps letters, keep short. People need need a huge reminder. Well, I don't know if I can keep it short, Lucy. I'll, I'll do my best here. And I'll say that Matrix... Reloaded is the story about how we find out how the Matrix actually works in that Neo, he's more comfortable with his powers for sure, but he also is now finding out that the Matrix is actually a system that does need to reload itself. It's got a flaw where every century or so it needs to reload and so now Neo's presented with these two choices, neither of which is particularly beneficial to humanity. The one is that we got these sentinels that are coming towards Zion City, which is a nice refuge for humans, and they're about to destroy it. So what can we do? Well, we can let the Matrix 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 reboot itself and all that humanity is gonna die and the machines are gonna wipe out Zion City. Or the other alternative, door number two, is okay, well, we can also just end the matrix altogether. Now, the only fallout from that is that Zion City probably still gonna be destroyed, along with all of humanity as we know it. And so Neo decides to take the latter option, but he thinks that maybe there's a way that you can still save humanity because he's Neo and he's a badass and he's played by Keanu Reeves. So Trinity, played by Carrie-Anne Moss, factors prominently in there, as does Morpheus, played by Lawrence Fishburne. And so now we get to the Matrix Revolutions, where Agent Smith, played by Hugo Weaving, has just gone viral. Not in a good way. Like he's literally a virus in the program at this point because he keeps replicating himself. But he's doing this now in the real world. Contrast with that is that a lot of Neo's powers developed in the Matrix have now crossed over to the real world and so it all adds up to this gigantic battle sequence that we get that we've been waiting for for 3 movies Neo versus Agent Smith one time rumble in the jungle for all the marbles and wouldn't you know it Neo ends up winning only by sacrificing himself but as we hear at the end of the movie I maybe I suppose we'll see Neo again and now here we are almost 20 years later we're going to get the Matrix Resurrections, so... Resurrections, plural. That's with, that's with a plural S, Winston,
3: meaning there's going to be multiple resurrections. Multiple resurrections. That's a good point. I mean, I, from the trailer that we've seen, we at least know that Neo and Trinity are resurrected. We don't really know what Yaya's doing out here in these streets, if he's supposed to be a new version of Morpheus, if he's supposed to be a young version of Morpheus, if he's just some new black guy that's got a badass pair of sunglasses, we don't know. So we gotta wait to go see the movie, or once again, we've already seen it and we know perfectly well, but we're not gonna spoil that. We're just gonna spoil the movies from 20 years ago, which again, it's been twenty years, fam.
2: Yeah, like, I you not seen these? Deal with all these characters. Plus, now you got Green Goblin coming into this timeline and Venom. And- <laughs>
3: no, oh, no, 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 no. That was you. You crossed over. You're right. Like a, you're right. Sorry. Yeah,
2: Cross the yeah. streams there. Important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. Let's <laughs> let's have producer Lucy weigh in on, on these. Or just work. Winston,
3: Hi. right? <laughs> I just <laughs> you know what? I was quoting Ghostbusters.
2: I forgot you were named after one of the Ghostbusters. So yes, that is uh, Winston A. Zedmore for the. director of this podcast. Um, Producer Lucy, you're sort of like our uh, Annie Potts' character in Ghostbusters, but I could also call you like our own Carrie Ann Moss. No, you're really more like our Morpheus because you just kind of program everything and then we just follow your lead. So are you a Matrix person?
1: First time I saw this, I was in the first grade. My dad took me to the theater. I was way too young. It blew my mind. I went to school the next day, my little Catholic school, and told all my girlfriends and boyfriends about it. And that night, I, my mom got about a thousand phone calls yeah. going, why is your daughter watching rated right R movies? You're a terrible mother. Anyway, Jesus, Yeah, it was crazy. But that movie, wow. And then... I saw as a young person, I think I was like 13 in 2003. So my dad then took me again to see the other films. And I definitely was like, okay, there are things I like, but this is not the original. And the whole time I was watching the second film last night, I I literally was like, there's a quote from the Emperor Palpatine character of Zion. What's his name? That old man in the cloak. He's awesome. Good actor. But he says... He's talking to Neo on like mm-hmm. a balcony overlooking their city underground and their stalagmite caves. And he's like, there is so much in this world that I do not understand. And that was me watching this set absolutely, for me. It's
2: a fair assessment because I'm I'm going to weigh in here now, too. And I'm going to say I feel like Rotten Tomatoes. So Winston thinks Rotten Tomatoes is is sort of wrong just because maybe Reloaded's a little too high and Revolutions is a little too low. I am going to give you one of these movies should be fresh. I'm going to go with Reloaded should be fresh slightly, but I can't give the same luxury to Revolutions because even though I now have understood more so, thanks to some fan emails, thanks to talking with Winston offline and just kind of really sinking my teeth into this, I, I get a lot of what they're going for and while I can appreciate the ambition a lot of people love saying but I mean you don't even understand it's like well the fact that I don't even understand is that all on me or is that maybe a little bit about the movie I'm not saying everything's got to be super easily digestible but at some point it just feels a little numb and cold with the storytelling and it just feels like even the filmmakers and everybody involved with that production themselves feel like a little distant from the material. And it just seems like, we're, I, they're not mailing it in because some of the, the action set pieces and the visual effects are breathtaking, but I just feel like the story plods along after a while. So I'm gonna say Reloaded, fine, it can be fresh. I cannot give the same luxury. So I actually think Rotten Tomatoes is pretty right about both of these movies. I'm not saying Revolution should be as low as 35%, but maybe that 35% tomato meter. And that 60% audience score should meet in the middle, and I can be happy with that score. So we're going to talk a lot about The Matrix Reloaded. The Matrix Revolutions. going to get excited about... The Matrix and all of these many comebacks that we've wanted for so long. And now we finally get it back in theaters. But before we get to all that, one of my favorite segments is I get to take a break from talking and listen to what the critics were saying at the time. Again, both these movies came out in 2003. So we head back in the way, way back machine with our good pal, Tim Reiner, expert review curation manager here at Rotten Tomatoes. It's Two Minutes with Tim.
0: When it was first released in 1999, The Matrix felt as close as blockbuster movies came to, to quote Robert Hughes, the shock of the new. From its groundbreaking special effects to its philosophical musings, The Matrix was the kind of cultural phenomenon that would be difficult to top. So it isn't necessarily a surprise that critics felt its sequels didn't measure up to the original, although they still are in praise for their action and visuals. The Matrix is certified fresh at 88% with 156 reviews, and it has an 85% audience score. The Matrix Reloaded is certified fresh at 73% with 245 reviews, and it has a 72% audience score. Finally, The Matrix Revolutions is rotten at 35% with 217 reviews, and it has a 60% audience score. So what did the critics have to say? In a fresh review of The Matrix Reloaded, Peter Rayner of New York Magazine wrote, You don't have to buy into the geeky myth-making in The Matrix Reloaded in order to enjoy its kinetic pleasures. However, in a rotten review of The Matrix Revolutions, David Anson of Newsweek wrote, the original Matrix was full of dizzying surprises, but it turned out that the Wachowskis didn't have many more tricks up their sleeves. So that's the original Matrix trilogy. And a quick reminder, unfortunately, no one can be told what this podcast is. You'll have to listen for yourself.
2: Yeah, you uh, got to take that red pill. You really want to figure out how this baby works inside and out. So that was two minutes with Tim. So I say we get right into it. Winston, you ready to take the right pill and talk about these movies, my man? I mean, let's dive in. Let's go. All right. Cue the music, Brian. It's movie talk time. You kind of feel the power of Neo when I just get to tell people when to play random music cues. And uh, <laughs> it's just fun. You know, it's just you're awarding over and you feel like I, I really am dominating this podcast. But then you get into talking about these movies, Winston. And I just will never forget the feeling I had. that it was probably in two thousand. Four when I actually ended up seeing either one of these movies because it was either like a Hollywood video rental for me. I was brand new in L.A. I was doing open Mm -hmm. mics and I I either stopped by a Hollywood or a blockbuster video or it might have been one of the times Netflix sent me a DVD. That I could pop these in and watch them. So I made it through all of Reloaded, but I got to tell you, I got a headache about 10 minutes into it, and I'm like, I just, this is a whole lot to chew on, and so, but I made it through Reloaded, I could find a figure my way out, helped um, immensely by one of my favorite scenes in any of the Matrix, any of the Matrix C's, which we'll talk about in a sec, but then Resurrections, I don't know if I ever finished it back in 2004, because it was just too much to chew on and again I don't know if that's a flaw of me or the movie or somewhere in between but I ended up watching The Matrix Revolutions years and years later then I rewatched it again for the show and I I, I figured out my way around it a little better and I think that's probably one of these movies that you do go back and revisit and you sort of find your way more and more but I just I, I still can't really get into it nearly as much as I could the first Matrix without a doubt mm-hmm. and even The Matrix Reloaded First time you saw these are you gonna make me feel as old as producing lucy did
3: uh ish it, i mean we've always said that you were you you were like an older brother to me in the sense that if if you saw that in 04 and you're out here in these streets talking about like uh you know i'm doing open mics i'm living on my own mark ellis with the coolest light and a red, and a red cup uh you know i yep. was uh 2003 At least when these came out, I would've been 15. I would've been 16 at the end of the year. Um, And so uh, I, I gotta say, Reloaded comes out. I'm already loving it in the very beginning. And then there's a massive dance orgy and you gotta realize that being 15, you're like, what is happening right now? Oh, shit. Give me that <laughs> <Sorry>. red pill. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I will take that red pill right now, even if that means I got to go to the apocalyptic world in the Earth's core. <laughs> How do I join that? That that looks like a good time. Um, kind of ridiculous. Uh, there, there's, there's The one thing I can say about these two movies, uh, more so than the first Matrix, talk about just putting random things in the film that the, these films that you were like do i need this like i'm here for it but do i need it then <laughs> that was that was definitely one of them i don't know why we needed to see all of zion just having sex one last time before <laughs> the apocalypse comes but you know but I, I i distinctly remember watching reloaded and my mind being on fire just like oh my god oh my god until we hit the architect, and that's why I think you have to mm. you have to lower the score a little bit. Is because I, I now that I'm older and I've rewatched it a number of times, I can have more appreciation for the architect and what he's attempting to explain to Neo and thereby the audience. And I appreciate they did it in a very stylized way of having all the different Neos on the screens, be like, what, no BS, oh my God. Like having like essentially all of his emotions kind of playing out behind him since these Matrix avatars are very cut and dry. But it was a lot when you consider that this has been a nonstop action thrill ride. I know that the philosophy is a major part. And again, it's that goes hand in hand with the action. It just sideswiped you and it sideswiped you with very dense language. So at 15, I was like, what is this old ass man talking about? I don't (laughs) I don't care. Like, I want to care, but I don't. But again, now that I'm older and understanding six iterations, all this kind of stuff, the idea that, you know, the Garden of Eden metaphor and that didn't work. So then you ended up with the world being a bunch of crap and that didn't work. And then finding that you do need to have a little bit of a flaw because as humans were flawed. And if you don't, it doesn't. The brain won't fully accept it. Like that dream you had that the Washington football team won, like, you know, a Super Bowl hey, ever again. You know, I mean? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You would immediately pinch yourself and see if like you were you were sleeping because you, you don't know if it would ever happen again, man. right because the
2: cowboys have been to so many super bowls since you were seven years old (laughs) look we both had fun in the 90s when we were little kids and now did you see the original matrix in the theater where you as lucky as lucy
3: uh i probably didn't because my parent i would go to stuff that i was interested in and so i remember seeing it on dvd for the first time and then i was like i have to go to the theater for these other two
2: It was, it, it, to see it in 99 real quick was just mind-blowing, because 99, you had a huge Star Wars movie, it was the return of Star Wars, The Phantom Menace was that summer, The Blair Witch Project, this little indie film, and then you had this movie, The Matrix, it just so everybody started dressing like that, everybody wanted the coolest sunglasses and the longest leather coat, and it was just, <laughs> you, you knew that action movies were never going to look like that, and since you've seen every action movie has stunt sequences and wire work similar to what was pioneered with stuff like The Matrix, and before in a lot of the, you know, uh, Eastern filmmaking at the time. And so when you look at these two movies and you talk about scenes that really stand out to you, it's hard to pick a scene because there is so much exposition and the exposition is so thick. But if you can just get enough of it to move to the next scene, you're going to be rewarded. Because one of the things that I've learned in, in sort of retrospect in researching these movies is that the Wachowskis, are geniuses on a level which I can't even comprehend because they never meant for these movies to fully explain what The Matrix is in and out. They wanted this to cross over to a series of uh, comic books and video games and all these other media. They wanted this to Mm -hmm. be a true transmedia project where you would cross over multiple types of media to get all of the canon of The Matrix and to, to help you explain stuff. And maybe they just gave us, as the audience... Uh, too much to you know to to chew on or maybe they just their expectations for us and how much we were going to get invested in the Matrix was a little too much but I tell you what you could sit anybody in front of that freeway chase scene in the Mm -hmm. Matrix Reloaded and they would just have their skulls knocked out because Mm -hmm. it it was apparently filmed at Alameda Naval Base they actually built an entire freeway (laughs) for the movie if it tells you what we prioritize I here mean, in Hollywood it you seems like that to. they I think it's like a mile and a half stretch of road that they built from scratch at the naval base and when you watch that sequence play out Winston it's just one of those where I don't care where I am if I happen to come across the Matrix reloaded I need to watch that scene in its entirety it is just so well shot it's thrilling even if I'm not understanding everything that's going on all the time man what a job that was to
3: pull off I need to
0: download the Hotwire Motorcycle
3: Problem one crash course a motorcycle.
0: Wait. Canceled out.
2: You are handy. Jump on.
3: I mean, I I, I gotta say, I, I loved that they did that. So we you know, we're not here to talk about the Animatrix or enter the matrix, but it's part of the reason why I also put Reloaded up a little more. Um, you were building that lore. I know technically Reloaded and Revolutions um, are essentially one movie, but they split them in because they're like, we can't give them four hours of movie. That's that's too much. So they were like, we'll give them the second half of the, of the year, which, hey, MCU, you could have taken a hint there. You didn't have to make us wait a year for Endgame. <laughs> all right. You could have said, we'll see you in a couple months, but whatever. Um <laughs> If I, I'm assuming, Mark, you didn't play Enter the Matrix.
2: I did not. Uh, last video game I was good at was Halo.
3: Okay, okay. So this this came out very shortly after Halo, like maybe mm-hmm. a couple a year or two years. Um, phenomenal game. You play as Niobe and Ghost, which is why for me, I actually really love uh, their characters in the movie because I have a I have a my own background anchor to them. Playing them in into the matrix, which you had all the things you had the bullet time, the kicks, the flipping, the guns, other, the car chases, absolutely phenomenal. And it was one of those things that came out the same time as reloaded. Um, so I went to see, uh, I started playing the game and I would see random scene. They would cut two scenes in the movie with Niobe and ghosts. And I'd be like, oh, and then I went to see the movie. And I was like, oh, my God, it all connects like it's, it's all one thing. And you freak out while it's happening. Uh, same with the Animatrix, the lore you get from where the Matrix came from and how we ended up in this war in the first place and all that kind of stuff. So it really, really, really they did such a phenomenal job at the time. And it's so weird. You can watch the Animatrix, but it's really hard to play this game. Just uh, old original Xbox. So I don't really know if there is a way uh and ps2 so unless you have it i don't know if there's really a way to boot that back up
2: yeah it's it's just one of those things where you wonder if there's going to be resurgence in the in the alternative um you know sort of stuff that you can digest if you want to get deeper into the matrix now i guess we'll see how um resurrections plays out in the theater but if you have to look at the matrix reloaded and you say okay what's what's like the scene that you point to and you're like Bam! Right there. That's why. That's a fresh movie. That's why this movie doesn't get enough love.
3: I would say, if from an action standpoint, I, it used to be the 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 multi Smith scene, but I take that one back. I, I I still like it a lot. I think maybe the greatest fighting scene I have ever seen. I, and it, the only exception might be from uh, 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 Legend of Drunken uh, Legend of Drunken Master. Um, mm-hmm. or maybe the raid, but, um, is him fighting, I guess what would be a number of like werewolf zombies or werewolves, vampires, whatever the, the Merovingians crew with all the weapons, it is so well choreographed and has all of the moments that you love as far as like the bullet time, um, The fact that Neo is using his abilities to like fend off God knows how many different people, but like you have the moment where he blocks his sword with his hand and he starts bleeding and he's like, see, he's a man. So now we're like, wait, can Neo get killed here? So you're like really kind of concerned, but also he's just kicking everybody's ass. Like it was just chef's kiss. Other than that, I would actually have to say they're all the Merovingian. Uh, Him giving his little speech about uh, impulse control and giving the woman the orgasm through the cake uh, and then the wife being pissed off, being like, OK, so like go ahead and kiss me real quick, because if you going to cheat on me in my face, I'm going to make sure he he feel bad about this. I'll give you the key maker and everything. And he's like, oh, And he's like, oh, well, you did this dumbass. So I just it's that whole sequence in the middle of the film with the Merovingian, which then leads into the highway scene. But the Merovingian really is that linchpin. It's just absolutely amazing.
1: Yeah, Monica Bellucci, hottest woman of all time. <gasps> hottest woman of <gasps> all time. Monica Wowzers. Bellucci,
2: and she also was very new to the world of Hollywood when she was cast in Bram Stoker's Dracula, and pretty much her only job by her own admission of that movie was to kiss Keanu Reeves. She got to again with <laughs> so if you're Keanu Reeves and you're Monica Bellucci and you're and you're in a movie together, probably going to be a makeout scene. But as much as I love Miss Bellucci and in, in all of her, her many abilities on screen, I got to go to Neo. And Winston, you, you touched on this. The upgraded Neo and his, and his newfound abilities, that's one of the things that you love when you go see the second movie in a franchise is where, okay, the hero sort of goes on their thousand faces journey and in the first one, and they sort of learn their way. And then, okay, what have you learned since then? You know, yeah. what do what, what you being done in between what, what, what's your practice sessions been like? We see it in Empire Strikes Back when Luke summons the lightsaber and frees himself from the Wampa Cave and to see Neo with this newfound, it's more even like cockiness. He's like Kevin yeah. McAllister in Home Alone 2, <laughs> lost in New York, where he's like, I, I've beat these guys before. I can do it again with different yeah. weaponry. I, and And so seeing those sort of fight sequences with a more cocky Neo is really, really it's, fun to watch.
3: You know, it's funny because you mentioned, so the agents obviously would be the, the, the uh, wet, the formal, former wet bandits turned sticky bandits. And then the, and then the, you know, the hotel staff would be all these vampires and werewolves he's fighting now. You know what I mean? Where the, the, they have their own new abilities. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, the opening sequence, the opening fight, an agent, come, the agent comes in, tries to like body him. And then he was like, oh, he caught my head. He just goes, Upgrades. And then he starts getting a little more serious, but not even like the only people that really, the only fight that gives him a little bit of pause is fighting Smith because Smith, uh, I don't know if you or Lucy are big uh, Naruto fans, but in my mind, I literally was seeing uh, Naruto versus Sasuke because Naruto allows himself to be, he does the shadow clone thing. He can make a million different copies of himself. So he may not be necessarily as good of a hand-to-hand fighter as sasuke who is just a beast because he can just predict moves before they happen so he just throws more of him at himself and so it's like i literally was like oh this is like tapping into another pop culture uh you know watching it now uh kind of element but that's the only one that's given him pause is that it's not that smith's a better fighter than him smith is overwhelming him Until.
2: Yeah. And and that's kind of what Smith is trying to do in in and it it crosses over into the Matrix revolutions because now while while he's been able to infiltrate the real world and that's one of my favorite scenes in that is this waking up where where Agent Smith starts to just go on this murder spree and then he goes after Trinity and then yep. Neo steps in and realizes what exactly, it, who he's actually fighting here. And then that's when we get the blinded Neo. We, we get the electrical cable to the eye socket and it's like, man, you know. It, blood it, it,
3: curling it, scream, bro. It, oh my it God. Is
2: <laughs> it is unpleasant, but it is incredibly well shot and it's captivating. And it's one of those things that really helped me lock into Revolution for as long as I was able to. When I initially watched it,
3: I so here we haven't talked about revolutions a lot yet, uh, probably because Reloaded again being the better movie. But some of the highlights for revolutions, for sure, I think everything uh, uh, coming up to Club Hell, it was essentially a massive callback to the lobby scene with Neo and Trinity. Uh, which I thought was absolutely amazing, especially then like the being escorted up to the Merovingian and, and then Trinity being like, F this. And she just starts like all of a sudden, now you got to scramble and everybody's gun, gun to the head and just the coldest line you could hear. She was like, you either take me to Nero or we all gonna die. And he's like, oh, you can't mean that. And then Persephone, uh, 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 Monica, she's, she's essentially just like, she is in love. Trust me, she'll do it. She's like, you bet your ass I will. And then all of a sudden, Neo is saved. You want to make a deal? How about this? You give me Neo, or we all die right
1: here, right now.
2: Interesting deal. You are really ready to die for this man. I'll leave it.
3: She'll do it. If she has to, she'll kill every one of us.
1: She's in love. It is remarkable how similar the pattern of love is to the pattern of insanity.
3: Like I, I loved seeing all that. But I but I also love Neo in the void. Um talking to the, the the Indian family. They're trying to get Sethi, uh their daughter, who doesn't have a purpose. They're trying to smuggle her in so she doesn't get erased. And They have the comment about love, about karma. They're just words. It's about what it's not necessarily that they're anything other than that. And it's like anybody can have those things. It's just about how you interpret it and what you would do for it. You know what I mean? And so it it was just a really nice moment to kind of have a chance to not worry about the matrix for a minute and just like kind of think about life. Um, So the, the beginning is very strong.
2: Do you do you consider yourself fully versed in the Matrix films enough to where, like, do you know everything about the Matrix at this point? Or do you still Mm -hmm. watch the movies and and read the media, look at the comic books, play the video games and and you learn new things about it? Or are are you pretty much done? Are you an expert in the Matrix?
3: Both. Both. I I would say I would say I am a master, but I'm not on the council if we're going to keep using Star Wars references here Um, in that. I, I, you know, I'm I'm very aware of at least with the first one uh, being a big allegory for um, uh, transitioning for trans people um, that that's uh, that has a lot to do with it. So the idea of having an avatar versus who you really are and having that awakening and having that that truth and all that. There's a lot of stuff about that, about obviously a lot of the uh, religious stuff. I mean, the fact that when when Neo dies at the end, the machine has him propped up like he's on a cross. And he just sacrificed himself for humanity. If you look at the very last scene, because the machine, obviously, the machine mother mind, I can't remember its name right now, uh, jacks him in so he can fight Smith. Once he's dead, he's he, the last image of Neo is this just so, you know, you you have you have that um, again, all the philosophy of of how flawed we are as humans, what love means, all that kind of stuff. I've I've kind of. Visited and revisited and revisited it over and over again. That I'm I'm pretty well versed of most of the stuff that's in it at this point.
2: Who are the Who are the characters that you point to? Maybe some some side characters. I'm I'm going to take away Neo and Trinity and Morpheus from you, and I'm going to say who's the character that you point to that you really look to that you say that's a great role. In in the matrices that that's something that really stands out and it can be anything. It can be a, just a one one quick scene. It can be another menacing villain. It can be somebody I, I personally love Jada Pinkett Smith as Niobe just because even though she she apparently auditioned for Trinity. And just like it didn't really have chemistry with Keanu Reeves the way that and by by her own admission, she's like, then I saw who they cast as Trinity and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a badass. That's the person should be playing Trinity. But I really thought Niobe added something to the sequels. So who is that? Who's that character for you that you say? That's why that, that this is person who elevates these movies.
3: Niobe and Ghost are definitely great. Uh, added Harry Lennox as 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 a foil to uh, uh, Morpheus, or at least like a a rival, especially over Ghost Love is a big one. But I think my my MVP of supporting characters um, would be uh, Harold uh, Perrineau, who plays Link. He becomes like the new operator for uh, the Nebuchadnezzar. He is hilarious and he's kind of us if we're if we're being honest which is why i think it was so well done it was he joins the ship i've heard the stories man like you know morpheus my boy (laughs) and he's talking about this dude neo like i gotta see what it is and then he's like sitting here the thing he's like yo where's Neo? he's like man he's out here doing his superman thing Woo, like that's crazy um the fact that when he comes home when they're at zion for a minute he gets cut off because he goes, he thinks his only his wife is home. And he goes, Where's my po-? and then he realizes his little niece and nephew were there? And he goes, Oh, <laughs> hey, oh, like, and I, I I just I resonate with that character so much because his range of emotions is exactly where we are. Where like the orgy scene, he's flipping out. The 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 fights, he's freaking out. He doesn't know if they're gonna make it. Like when Neo catches uh, Morpheus at the last second on the highway, he goes, yes, like that was me in the theater. Like he, he became, uh, our, our avatar. He became our Jack, our, our avatar in the matrix as this was playing out.
2: Yeah. It was a little bit of that Shakespearean course thing where you're just kind of like the voice of the audience sometimes and, and moments of levity that I thought were much needed. In, I don't need people slipping on banana peels in these movies, but I do just need somebody at some point to just be like, "Hey, can I feel like I'm looking at a human and not just this cold, weird machine thing?" And so I, I think that's a great role. And when you look at the Matrix films, you see that it was just a a hotbed of of directors' future because. Yeah. In addition, even keep an eye open for Axel in The Matrix Reloaded, because that's Lee Wannell, who'd who'd go on to be a prominent director today. And then you also have all of these stunt coordinators that eventually would go on to be pioneering, of all things, the John Wick trilogy. And so there's a lot of connective tissue between The Matrix and John Wick, and it's probably the success of John Wick that maybe inspired some people to say, you know, we are going to give this Matrix thing another look for a fourth film. The special effects were such a revolution in the first one. And I, I've heard people say it both ways where maybe they feel like it was just overutilized and just times a thousand in Reloaded and Revolutions that maybe made those movies feel different and not as fresh as the original one. Well, what's your take on just on, on the action sequences and the visuals taking that bullet time from the first one and mm-hmm. then just exponentially throwing it all over the screen? Was that Are you pro that or are you like maybe it was a little too much?
3: It's it's so I had mentioned before that one of my favorite scenes watching it at fifteen was him fighting the mini Smiths. Um It has gone down in my book because the later in the fight you get, it's all CGI. It was it was like clay I, people. Yes, yes, exactly. It didn't look real at a certain point, and now, like as a kid. I, I don't, I'm not noticing that. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. But like now I see why people were like, nah, man, that wasn't as good as we thought it was. Um, but I actually, uh, and and that, and that also sort of comes up when he's doing the Superman thing, fighting Smith at the end of revolutions. Otherwise I don't have a problem with it. It just in the sense that I felt like it was properly utilized. So Morpheus, Fighting the agent on top of the eighteen wheeler, I thought that was really well done there. Uh, Morpheus and Trinity fighting the Ghost Twins, I thought that was really well done there. I thought Neo versus again the vampires and werewolves, uh, the Merovingians crew in that uh, foyer, uh, foyer uh, was 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 like really well done. I thought that a lot of that was done exceptionally well and and tempered out normally. It was just the ones where it was heavy and that tended to be Smith that bothered me. The early part of the Smith fight is great because you can clearly tell they're doing a good job. They keep Hugo's face in prominently in some of them, like maybe waiting to fight, but then they got a bunch of dudes about his height and then you see the back of their heads doing like this, trying to fight him. And that worked. That worked really well until they were like, and now here's CGI Hugo and Neo everywhere. And I was like, eh.
1: Yeah. If you freeze frame on the, on the, on those scenes, you can pick out different men which is really, it's a fun game. And also, did you guys like the bowling ball hitting pin sound effect when he (laughs) swings them around? That's when I was like, okay, I'm immediately out of this. (laughs) No. (laughs) That was a bad choice.
2: It's interesting because you watch all these things play out and then as we sort of make our way to the behind the scenes and how excited we are about Matrix Resurrections possibly, Winston, I'm just going to ask you, Like, are mm-hmm. you satisfied with where sort of the, the revolutions ended with us, where we, we did have a little tinge of hope that we might see Neo again in in one of the last lines of the movie, where I suppose we might see him again at some point. Mm-hmm. Do you remember feeling satisfied the first time you you saw that wrap up? And how is your no. feeling about that changed over
3: time? No, I was I, I do remember uh, and I was not satisfied uh when revolutions ended i was i was because like part of my beef with revolutions to be honest with you i know we're fighting for zion but the movie's called the matrix i needed more of the matrix in in uh revolutions i feel like we kind of saw it for the first 30 to 40 minutes at most and then we just left the matrix alone until Neo's like we got to go back Smith has completely absorbed everyone. Like he is, he is destroyed the matrix We week. I got to go back in one more time. So there's that, but um yeah, I remember walking out of it. I, I understood why Neo needed to be sacrificed again, the whole, the, the Jesus metaphor, but it just wasn't as fulfilling as the end of the first one. And then the second one, just you ended on a cliffhanger. So like, I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can necessarily compare since you were leaving it going, oh my God, Smith invaded that man's body. Like that's, you know, like so both of the first two left me like wanting more or super jazz. And this one I was like, oh, so, you know, that to me is why it's not getting a certified fresh because it didn't it didn't like you didn't go strong to the end. But again, the stuff in between is better than we're giving it credit for. Okay, that's fair. And
2: I usually would let the guest on the show have the last word about movie talk, but I mentioned Simon Valence's email, our great fan from Melbourne, Australia. So I kind of want to give Simon the last word here. And I I can't read all the email because Simon, very passionate, definitely feels like neither one of these films deserve to be anywhere close to rotten. Simon wants them both incredibly certified fresh, which I can respect your passion. And I can't wait for you, Simon, to see the new film Resurrections and let us know your thoughts on that. So I'm just going to give a quick blurb to what Simon is feeling about how maybe we as audiences watched the Matrix sequels. Conditioned as Western audiences are to dichotomies of good versus evil, the Wachowskis were well ahead of their time with Neo transcending and sacrificing himself for both man and machine. As it was made clear by both Reloaded and Revolutions that AI programs had evolved to become human-like rebelling against their machine masters and seeking liberation and autonomy just like the human red pills so thank you for that insight simon we, we got to figure out a way to get this whole email out to the public who, who want to take a look at it because maybe lucy will do that as an addendum to the podcast at some point because it really is a brilliant well thought out email so thank you simon and uh, we have another fun email at the end of the show for y'all but right now brian let's go ahead and move our way over to behind the scenes So much to get to in so little time here. But the big question I have is, Winston, what's your overarching theory or hope or just whatever you want to put into Resurrections before seeing it? Are you the kind of fan that goes in with a set of expectations? Are you trying to not look at any of the trailers or anything leading up to it? Where are you right now?
3: I, I saw it. Uh, that a lot of people are alluding to the fact that that the word agent comes back up and that, that this version of Neo... Might be an actual movie star. Uh, and so that the agent has evolved to be like his agent and stuff like that. So I'm curious. And I and what I would actually really be interested in, if what we learn in Resurrections is that Neo and Trinity and Morpheus, they were all there in all the previous iterations of the Matrix. They were all Keanu Reeves. They were all Kyrian Moss. Uh, though Then that would make me wonder if Yaya is actually Morpheus or somebody else just that they are genuinely resurrected in the same bodies but their minds are just like you know what i'm saying they have to rediscover everything so i'm just curious to see if we're going to keep getting the same people over and over again and how this resurrection thing is actually happening i'm very curious
2: yeah i'm 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 told by people smarter than me that the the video games did continue some of the matrix war and and that morpheus dies at some right. point in the canon, and so that right. explains the the new look of Morpheus, albeit where if you're going to be playing a Morpheus-like character, you better have some cool shade spectacles to wear with that. But, you know, we, we get to see them, obviously, Carrie Ann Moss and Keanu Reeves have aged fantastically over the last 20 years, as the trailer indicates, but it's going to be a different version of them, so... Do we want to see this really pick up from what Resurrections had, or, or excuse me, before Revolutions had, or do you want to see them put a fresh spin on this and make it a little more palatable for audiences who didn't get as deep into the war as maybe the Wachowskis hoped they would?
3: It's been twenty years. You have to still, you can still lean on stuff that happened in the past, similar to what we did with Star Wars here, but you have to make it its own thing to bring people in. You are not going to be successful as a new franchise or a rebooted franchise, however you want to look at it, if you do not essentially start from a relative square one. So I think it is important to go back and watch that other stuff. But I think we need to focus on the new generation that is going to be jacked into the matrix, uh, pun intended here.
2: (laughs) And this is Lana Wachowski directing it. Willow Wachowski, uh, excuse me, Lily Wachowski, um, I I think...
3: It, there was she, just too much going out. on and, and, yeah. and just didn't
2: want to go back to that world again.
3: It was part of it is I know that they had uh the the, the the Wachowskis had lost both their parents like five weeks apart. Yeah. And and Lily was just like, I I really like Lana has a good idea, but I just have no desire to get back into this. But I had also heard that Lily has kind of taken a step back from filmmaking in general. She she kind of wants to just really just focus on life like that, whereas Lana is more still trying to do the thing. So
2: there's are certainly unique storytellers and i did hear I, I think that the thing that turned a lot of people off to the the two sequels to the matrix were that it, they were shot back to back and and you just felt some of that wear and tear i think from the crew and from the actors as it went on and one of the theories for it is uh uh bill pope who was uh, a, a cinematographer on the matrix was talking about how the, he now hates stanley kubrick and the reason why is because stanley kubrick <laughs> He wrote a book about directing, I guess, or and the Wachowskis had read and just swore by after seeing the first, after making the first Matrix. And one of the points he made is that you need to exhaust actors to the point where they're so tired that's the take that that you want to keep. And so he worked pretty much <laughs> no. the opposite of the Clint Eastwood train, where it's like, all right, we got one take, all right, good enough for moving on. The Wachowskis adopted this more Stanley Kubrick style for the sequels and. We're just doing so many takes that it just runs the crew ragged, especially if you're filming back to back. And so it's Pope's theory that maybe some of that coldness and some of that numbness from the crew sort of found its way onto the screen.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I I do not agree with the the sentiment of wear them ragged and then we'll use that take. that that sounds like a bad time. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried to go to work off of no sleep and then you're delusional all day that's not fun none of that is fun now mind you since a lot of the performances are supposed to be muted in the matrix maybe that's how they got more of that (laughs) it's by just sucking the life out of you but i do god jesus no Uh, that sounds like a nightmare
2: yeah the uh the matrix reloaded when it came out in 2003 did by far the most business of any of the three matrices up to this point $739 million worldwide the other two did somewhere in the $400 million range and you just got to think that was people so excited I Man, and I remember people seeing just in the theater seeing the trailer for Matrix Reloaded and as soon as that green stuff started going down the screen like on Winston's background the, the theater was like oh my god it's back oh my god the Matrix is back <laughs> and there was just such a palatable excitement and I hope we at least get that with this new version and you talk about the just the, this Keanu-sance that we're in now, this never-ending sort of celebration of who this guy is and the career he's had thus far. I mean, we were just talking about Point Break on the show a few weeks ago, and that was in 1991, and now we're still celebrating him in 2021. So if you had to list this Matrix trilogy amongst your favorite film trilogies of all time, first of all, does it beat John Wick, Keanu Reeves's other great trilogy
3: that is a great question uh if you're talking about my
2: show versus which you can catch
3: (laughs) um if you're talking about straight philosophy and whatnot like as far as like storytelling i think you gotta go with the matrix but if you're talking about just like i can watch that movie all day every day no problem it's definitely the john wick series especially when you get to uh halle berry sticking her dogs on people and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, oh man. Uh, it was it the John Wick, the John Wick series is something else. And that's where I'm actually hoping happens. I'm hoping that we get some sort of magical John Wick Matrix crossover. Because he's got the look. So maybe if he is a movie star in this, he just finished shooting John Wick 10, you know, and now we're now we're looking at, you know, but b- back to the Matrix where it all started. Like, I I ooh. It would be funny to
2: just have him like walk by on a busy street corner and you see a poster for an upcoming movie called like Joe Candle or something like that, where it's it's like somewhere close
3: to what it was.
2: But there's so many questions to answer that we hope Resurrection is going to give us some of those when it comes out
3: mark joe candle and it's like they killed his cat for the last time like that would would be amazing
2: it is now now we found a way to ruin both franchises just with one movie (laughs) poster that's that's the power of, of mark ellis and winston marshall teaming up here um i'll i'll let you i'll let you go and we'll transition into our mailbag uh with this this final question is the matrix trilogy winston
3: marshall's favorite trilogy of all time is it my favorite trilogy of all time? Mm, no. I think you got to go a little bit stronger in order to do that. I would say probably my favorite trilogy if if we consider the two Avenger films at the end there also one giant 6-hour film that I would actually say the Avengers trilogy, so Avengers okay. Age of Ultron and then Infinity War/Endgame. slash It's just very long obviously, but uh You know, I think that that was a really, really well done when it was all said and done. Obviously, you have a lot of side pieces in there, but I I think that would probably be my favorite.
2: All right. Not a bad trilogy, even though it's kind of cheating. I'll allow it for the show (laughs) because it also gives us a chance to get into Mailbag. Hit the music, Brian. (laughs) I'll let everybody know this. You can email us anytime. RT is wrong at Rotten Tomatoes. Dot .com that's RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. right before we went to broadcast today producer Lucy had mentioned that she thinks that's her singing by the way that is her singing on 2 minutes with Tim and she said that her voice reminds her herself... Of some guy from the 80s and so Winston and I start throwing out names what was the name that we settled on everybody out there listening email us and tell us who you think from the 80s producing Lucy sounds like we'll give you a couple weeks and then we'll give you who producing Lucy thought she sounded like and it might come as a shock to some maybe not all if you've seen Lucy's uh, hair color it might not surprise all of you If you know Lucy's hair color. So with that, we're going to go to catch up crew member Bonnie Murdoch, who today says, Hi, everyone. I wanted to say I love the podcast. The Aquaman pod is one of my favorites. I'd like to know what you thought of Eternals because I nearly didn't see it because of all the mixed reviews. I did like it. It's certainly not the worst of the MCU, as being said, probably because of the actors using Game of Thrones actors was funny in certain parts, too. No spoilers. One bone to pick would be having actors on as guests. They can feel a bit promotional for their own projects at times. May the force be with you, Bonnie from Australia. Getting that little dig in there. Australians aren't shy about that. Well, it's nice having actors on the show because they may be a little apologetic, but they also bring such great insight into the actual craft of filmmaking. And so we want to honor that perspective as well. But thank you for the email, Bonnie. We really covered a lot of bases in there. Producer Lucy, do we have an update? Are we doing an episode of Eternals coming up? that we can tell the kids about
1: oh kids and adults alike get ready for this bonnie from australia
2: we are gonna do do, 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 do,
1: do. eternals next week oh wow oh snap yeah look at that yeah so by the time this episode wait is that right yeah by the time this episode airs this will be our maybe like sort of holiday episode let me double check but yeah i think so yeah, Bonnie, we're matrix gonna make is, it happen
2: matrix is christmasy well you see folks you email us and good things happen just like that it's like magic all right thank you winston marshall who is his own unique brand of magic um <laughs> it, it's so great having you uh, i i know you and jay are doing great things with the youtube channel Birds in the hood everybody can find you on social media at the swaggy blurred what else you got going on you or anyone in your family that you want to mention
3: of course um so uh definitely follow me on the socials anywhere that swaggy blurs are sold twitter instagram facebook uh I've been doing some some new sketches I've been doing a lot of writing we've been filming it I haven't dropped them yet cause you know anybody that's been a content creator you know you gotta kinda hold on to stuff for a little bit and then release it in chunks but um my mom uh, I mentioned her before uh tomorrow as of taping this is her birthday so this has obviously been a few weeks since Yay. but she yeah, thank you she's 65 um she actually started a uh, something called Restore the Hope, and it's this uh, Black Santa Collective. So it's it's one of the things that she really did a lot when I was kids. We had a lot of Black Santa Clauses all over the house, and so she's put an entire line of like Nutcrackers, Santas, ornaments, all sorts of stuff together that is absolutely amazing um so if you are down to support small business if you're down to support black-owned businesses women-owned businesses please check out uh my mom's etsy shop etsy.com slash shop slash restore the hope uh and you'll see a lot of stuff there so if you need a Good luck trying to get it there right in time for Christmas when this drops, mind you. But if you still want to, you know, get that little extra something, something for the holiday, uh, you would be making a world of difference to this amazing woman that birthed me into this world.
2: So. That's right. And, and, and you really, I mean, I, I like you. You're the least of her accomplishments. This, this is a great uh, restore the hope. <laughs> it's a, it, it, that's a great thing. Put me down for, for a, a Santa and two nutcrackers. I'm not against you and me teaming up to make a hallmark series of movies that are a black Santa and a white Santa, like Lethal Weapon, and they just have fun Bro. bickering as they're <laughs> flying with their reindeer to deliver presents all over the world. I am I,
3: so here for this. And they got to fight the Grinch. Oh yeah. my god, this is all a callback Because you know I did the Grinch episode with you last year yes. this is a big, I am so here for this Let's and make best this part movie. This is, is our that,
1: Christmas episode. I, L- Lucy, <laughs>
2: Winston and I just found our future because if there's one role that actors can slowly age into, it's Santa Claus. We can yes, eat and age our way into this dress That's
1: so, <laughs> That is so cool.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, I look forward to getting fat, old, and happy with you, Winston. And uh, we love having you on the show. What's your, uh, Thanks, until buddy. our Santa uh, series of movies comes out on Hallmark, what's a good streaming recommendation for all the kids to be watching over the uh, holiday season?
3: Absolutely. Uh, I just have to reboot my brain for half a second because I was going on the whole spiel about the Black Santa's, like what I've been watching. <laughs> uh, if you haven't already, if you like some trash TV, I can't recommend enough. A lot of people know uh, 90 Day Fiance, uh, they just finished The Other Way season. If you haven't seen that, Uh, episodes are about an hour and a half, absolutely amazing. I know a lot of people weren't heavily loving the Cowboy Bebop live action, but I'm enjoying myself getting a little bit of uh, nostalgia uh, from that. You season three as well has been amazing, but I've said this a million times. uh, Do you want movies as well or just shows? Hit me man, lay it on. We, We all got
2: some free time the next couple of weeks. So
3: what do you got? Okay, so um, if you haven't seen True Story uh, as well, which is kind of like a mini-series more so than anything else, I would definitely say check out True Story with Kevin Hart and Wesley Snipes. Yes. Um, Yes, always tell me about that. But absolutely amazing. Um, And God, I'm trying to remember what the last... uh, 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 Why can I not remember that? The Heart of They Fall. I cannot recommend The Heart of They Fall more than it. That movie is so good so please please please, if you haven't seen the heart of they fall check that out as well
2: yeah that's been on the docket and i just i, I need to get to that over christmas i actually have a streaming recommendation for every. i guess it's a live cable watch i don't know but on christmas day nfl network is premiering a john madden documentary that covers all the aspects oh. of john madden's incredible life he's not just a video game guy he, he started out as a hall of fame coach the broadcaster of broadcasters as Winston knows, washington is football games always big between us, but they were never bigger than when they had Pat Summerall and John Madden calling the action. So that premieres on Christmas Day, so you can check that out, along with all this free time to catch up on the Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong podcast. You can check us out wherever you get podcasts, wherever you do so, rate, review, whatever that platform encourages you to do. I echo those sentiments. You can also watch us streaming on a number of different platforms as well. So Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. Tell your friends and family about it this holiday season and next week as we intimated thanks in part to bonnie from australia we got eternals it's the first rotten mcu movie according to tomato meter will it stay there or can we generate enough love to get it back into fresh territory should it even belong in fresh territory in the first place is rotten tomatoes wrong about eternals that's coming out next week it was great talking about the matrices for winston a marshall his lovely mother Lucy, our producer, Brian Perez, our incredible engineer, and everybody, the hardworking team here at Rotten Tomatoes, including my esteemed co-host, Jacqueline Coley, who's already decorating the tree. I'm Mark Ellis. Happy holidays, everybody. We hope you have a great, safe time with family, friends, mirth, merriment, singing, laughter, all that good stuff that makes us whole humans and not just weirdos that take blue pills on a daily basis. All right. And to all a good night.